Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show, and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show, and uh, I have a, one of the funniest, the most talented, uh, and most beautiful women uh, on our call, on our show today. Uh, oh, my. Yeah, Sakia Krishopima. Uh, of course, many of you know her from uh, uh, her, her uh, time on In Living Color, uh, and uh, she is uh, just doing some wonderful, has been doing some wonderful things in the world. We're going to talk to her about many of the uh, charitable uh, 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 events that she uh, is hosting. Uh, she has a book uh, that uh, is coming back out, I think a revision or an upgrade or a new edition, uh, and she has a one-woman show. How are you, my dear? I am excellent. Thank you so much for having me. That introduction was wonderful. I want to talk to that person. I know, I know. we got to have her call in. Yeah, she's happening, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> she's got it going on. Mm-hmm. So what's going on with this uh, one-woman show that I hear that you want? I think you started out in Dallas? Yeah, it's called Don't Get Me Started, and it's... Uh, you know, I, I like to perform on stage, and I like to use the stage to work out my issues. And <laughs> <laughs> so much going on in the world. Oh, this is better I, than therapy, right? I, I, yeah, I thought, why don't I get paid for um, running on and on at the mouth? And so this show is kind of a combination of my last two shows, Some of My Best Friends, which is a solo show with characters and The Key Alive, which is a variety show. Mm-hmm. And so in, in this show, I talk in mostly in character, sometimes as myself, about lots of issues that are going on. And they're, they it, it, it started out... Uh, what kind of theory? You name it. The prison industrial complex, um, poverty, crime, racism, the plight of teachers and how they're underpaid, the government conspiracy theories, uh, everything's in there. Everything's in the wow. show. And and the thing is, I had such trouble narrowing down what I wanted to discuss mm-hmm. that I the show is kind of ever-changing, and so it depends on what I feel like talking about that night. I have set things that I think will remain in the show, and then, like, while I was in Dallas, I, I you know, I had to pick on Rick Perry for a minute. You know, <laughs> that was kind of required. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right if you didn't. It wouldn't have been. I, I, yeah. They wouldn't have appreciated the show as much if I didn't have a commercial about how incredibly stupid he is. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he's smack of George Bush uh, Jr. I mean, it, it's, it's fascinating. They, they're, they should be brothers. They should be related. Yeah, they have a club. They don't know who's the president because no one votes. But uh, the Supreme Court elects one of them or the other to rule. <laughs> so you really don't have an opinion about this cat at all, really? No, not at all. Um, and then, the, and then I thought to to further lighten up the show, I threw some songs in. So it's it's it is a really fun show, and I really enjoy doing it. And now I'm writing down everything I said in Dallas, so I can say it again. And hopefully, I will do the show. I have some offers out in Chicago and in Los Angeles and in Detroit. So hopefully, we can start narrowing down bookings starting in February. Fantastic. Chicago, my hometown, born and raised. As well as you. Yeah, Chi-Town. I just left uh, Chicago. I'm in, where am I now? I'm in 
uh, Virginia, Maryland, yeah, in that that whole D.C. area right now. But uh, I love Chicago, and I'm looking forward to Chicago. And I'm actually this this year, this coming year, I'm going to film the not. It wasn't the first solo show, but one of my other solo shows. Some of my best friends. Um, while I'm in Chicago next. Fantastic. Uh, How about growing up in Chicago? Um, uh, you grew up with your grandmother? Yeah, I was raised by my grandparents and great-grandmother and a very, very large extended family, and we had a ball, and my all of my parents have passed on now, but I still have a very supportive large family and siblings. I'm actually at one of my brother's house now that's mm-hmm. that's in this area where everybody's really close. It's a little bit sickening, to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> that's family. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get out of one alive, right? No, no but it's, in my case, it, it really works out well. Yeah. So, I'm, so I'm, what was I'm it like growing up in Chicago? You, you, I mean, you, you, you sang, you danced. I mean, where did this uh, multi-talented gift uh, come from? How? What were the signs? Um, egomania, I think. I, I was the <laughs> youngest in my family and enjoyed the rights that every youngest person has mm-hmm. of constant. Uh, attention, and then we got a television, because, you know, I'm 100 years old, so we got the first television ever built, came to our house, (laughs) and I said, what is that thing getting my attention? I can do anything that it can do, and I started doing whatever I saw on the TV, and, you know, people, this big, big household, you know, I got my audience back, (laughs) and, and, you know, it wasn't always a happy house, and so I actually honestly started performing, doing shows to cheer my grandmother up, you know, stop yelling, beating us for five minutes, (laughs) sit down, and and, uh, watch this show, (laughs) hey, I got an idea how to get us out of something, Uh, Chris was going to do a show. <laughs> Put the belt down, sit down. That never worked for me. I tried and tried. I still got my butt whooped. Uh, oh yeah, well I did too. But you know, I, 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 I don't know why. It was just one of those things. I don't remember not being a performer, not not even wanting to perform. I don't remember not being a performer. Is that right? Yeah, and and my siblings tell stories. I cannot validate these stories, but uh, of performances before my accurate cognition. <laughs> Apparently, that one time I stood up in high mass and performed some rendition of the turkey song, but uh, <laughs> from from my memory, <laughs> it's been a long time. Wow. So. High school, well, grammar school, you, you, you know, where did you go to grammar school? Yeah, I went to St. Spina, which is a wonderful, wonderful school. I go back whenever I can. Usually when I'm in town, I go back. I've mm-hmm. spoken many times at graduations and you name it, and I'm a history maker now. And with the History Makers Back to School program, I was in Chicago in September, and I spoke at St. Sabina there. Love the school, love the mm-hmm. um, pastor, Mike Flager, who was a teenager, literally, when, when, and I was still there when he first came, and now he's one of the the civil rights leaders in Chicago, and mm-hmm. uh, Principal Dumas said just do a great job with the school and the church there. And I, I performed when I was even in grammar school, and I had the best kindergarten teacher ever, Miss Smith, who, contrary to what was going on at my house, encouraged my art like you're supposed to do. <laughs> it's okay to draw and cut up exactly. stuff. And, yeah. <laughs> and then I went to – pardon me? Time to change. Yeah, well <laughs> – yeah, there's no art, there's no, there's nothing. It's just kind yeah. of sad, sad. Yeah, um, I I often kid that that my life would be simpler if my name was just something like Ann Brown. 
And so I have a character in my show named Ann Brown that I created for this show, and she's a teacher, and her life is not simple because her name's Ann Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she wishes. She wishes her name were Takiya Crystal Kima, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So now, so high school, what did did you go to high school in? I went to Academy of Our Lady, Longwood High School, that, that unfortunately is no more. It went the way of most Catholic schools, Catholic high schools, mm-hmm. I mean, most of the all-girls schools. Wonderful experience. I would never have put that on myself, but I found out after uh, the fact that I had to go wherever my sister went, and had I known that I would have voted differently. But I was glad that she chose that school for whatever reason, and uh, it, it was so Catholic nice. school wasn't difficult for you? Well, no, I grew up Catholic, and I okay. I've been Saint Sabina, so I, you know, you know, nuns ain't got nothing new, you know, by high school, you know, you know all their little nun tricks, and <laughs> you're no longer scared of the ruler. <laughs> no, I I really appreciated that, and I appreciated even being in an all-girls environment because I was painfully bashful, painfully shy. I got Really? Oh, you can't imagine. I got good conduct awards in grammar school because I didn't speak. Uh, (laughs) I I was just just terrified most of the time, just, you know, beyond. And the absence of boys changes girls. (laughs) They behave. <laughs> they focus on their work, <laughs> and, and so I, I'm I'm a big advocate of of um, single sex education at least mm-hmm. through high school. I think that, and and that's another thing with Saint Sabina. They're doing that for the I don't know if it's just the eighth grade or if it's seventh and eighth grade. And I went after the history maker speech. I went to the school and went around to a lot of the classrooms, and I was telling them to take it back to their crumbling. What happened to the boys? <laughs> what happened to the girls? So uh, you know, I was telling them, take advantage of this opportunity to do your get some work done. Mm-hmm. You know, because the time they're you know, the guys are a distraction and the girls mm-hmm. are a distraction for the guys and so especially with us, we need to be on it for school. Mm-hmm. So anything that can give you an edge take it, take advantage of it. So I'm, I'm really proud of them for that as well. But, yeah, I performed all through high school and really not not just um, singing, dancing, acting, but we had a mime troupe, which was terribly, terribly cool. And I was in the mime troupe for three years. By my senior year, I was too good for everything. And... <laughs> So I'd retired from that by then because I didn't. Um, I, I found the instructor unacceptable to my standards. So, um, of course, <laughs> that's leadership. Yes. So, but or egoship, uh, one of the two. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I and and then even in college. I had auditioned for U of I, and by then I wanted to follow my sister, who was at U of I by then, and I had auditioned for their theater department and been accepted and was recruited by Florida A&M, and I'd never heard of them, and I pitched their their snake-ridden uh, <laughs> envelope in the basket with a ton of other college recruitment letters that I got, and when the recruiter came to the school and met with me, in probably a half an hour, he talked me into not only coming to Florida A&M, but majoring in business. Uh Now, I'm picturing life on the beach with an umbrella drink in my hand. Not so much. That's... It's not at all, uh, Tallahassee's nowhere near water, but they have lots of hills. So it, it wasn't what I thought, but. So it was a bit of a culture shock coming from Chicago then, huh? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Florida's a different planet. It's not just the South. It's something specifically different from everywhere else in the world. And so it was the difference between Chicago 
Chicago and Tallahassee, not north and south, big city, small town, um, metropolitan city, college town, all girls and nuns for four years. (laughs) And men, not just boys, because people don't like to leave Florida A&M, so it's like 50-year-old freshmen in there (laughs) just trying to hang. (laughs) I'm only slightly kidding. (laughs) So, so yeah, big, huge, huge culture shock and being surrounded. So here you are with this huge personality, with this huge talent, um, which is somewhat normal in, in coming from a big city. Now you're in this small town with this, you know, big big presence. How how did you how did you adjust? Well, go back to just, me, being, me being painfully shy because that's what I was more than anything else. And just like in high school, I remember the first time I did a talent show in high school. You know how high school is, you know, the geeks that would be me, the <laughs> cool girls, <laughs> and then the performers kind of could float. And so the first time I did a talent show, and I did impressions, I think it was like Andy Kaufman and, and, and Robin Williams, and the first time a cool girl stopped me in the hallway and said, yeah, I saw you in that talent show. You were good. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I am known by the cool girls. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like that in college and and I started I was there on a business scholarship but my Mm -hmm. first week there I started performing they had a freshman freshman talent show and I got in that and a friend a dear friend of mine Daryl Rubin Paul who I met that that first month at FAM did a freshman class play nothing to do with the theater department to their horror, <laughs> and, and uh, we did his version of The Wiz, and the dancers, I danced in the show. I would have been Dorothy, but, you know, someone else auditioned, and uh, all of the dancers from the show formed a company, so my first month there, I had already been in two productions and it helped form dance company, so after a couple of years of performing all of the time, I thought, who am I kidding? I My intention was to get this business degree so my grandma could have something to hang in her living room and not worry about me when I yeah. get off to New York or California. Mm-hmm. But I know so strongly that I'm going to be okay that she's just going to have to know it. And I changed my major to theater. And Florida A&M at the time was not someplace – that I would ever have selected for theater. The department was so small that there were only two instructors, and a lot of the classes were only offered once every four years. Because yeah. that's, I think at the height when I was there, there were 12 majors. When I went back, and and even that turned out to be a really good thing because there was no hiding behind JoJo now. You had to show that you knew how to hang a light, you know, build a flat back in the desk back in the days when they were, you know, building flats by stretching mm-hmm. canvas, mm-hmm. Or, you know, building a frame and then stretching canvas over building a flat, you know, work a spot. You had to do everything that had to be done in theater, you know, from on stage all the way, all the way off stage. And so I'm really, really grateful for that experience and for Dr. Davis, who was my professor, and and Keith Tucker. Those were the two people that were there at the time. And when I went back to lecture there this past year, I forgot how many they said, but I, they they took me to this lecture hall, and I and. I said, how many of these people are theater uh, majors? And I said, oh, all of them. Mm. Wow. Wow. You know, wow, okay. (laughs) So uh, very, very, very good experience at FAM, and I guess that's why I I keep coming back there and – and I support them, and they support me. And it's, you got an honorary doctorate from them, is that right? I did. I, 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 How cool was that? I still a little bit can't believe it. I have now received 
all of the honors that they bestow. I got the President's Meritorious Award from Dr. Humphreys while he was president, and then I was inducted into the Hall of Distinction, which is the the, the second and third honors that the the university bestows. And in the spring, the honorary doctorate. And so, uh, it, it's I'm very, very, very honored. Chicago when you say you were on the L. A lot of people are like, what the hell is an L? Alphas 
gave a a pageant for the first time to to have a Miss Black and Gold, and because they'd never done it on that campus before, no one had ever heard of it, so no one was getting in it. So, you know, I was known as a performer, so one of the alphas came up to me and my roommate, Amina, who's, who I'm going to see tomorrow when I go to Maryland, wherever she is. But at any rate, they said, nobody's getting in this pageant. Can you all just get in it, like, to get in it? And we said, mm-hmm. sure, another, a chance to perform before we graduate. Why not? And it was a little bit of a joke because I wasn't – I didn't consider myself a pageant person, and they were all very, very serious, you know, like Alphas are, and the queen will blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I would, and I, you know, wait till he, and the queen would blah, 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 blah. And we were just, you know, having fun. And then I won. <laughs> what did they say the queen had to do? <laughs> it really? turned it turned out that the queen had to go on from there to compete in the Florida pageant, which I then won, to the Alpha South pageant, which I then won, to the national pageant, which I then won. And uh, so when when I got home, my brother said, hey, you're good at that um, pageant thing. You should you know, get on TV with that. Okay, all right, all right, that sounds good. And so I signed up for the Miss Black Illinois pageant Mm -hmm. because I knew that the winner would be in the Miss Black America pageant and be on TV. Mm -hmm. So I am the 1984-85 Miss Black Illinois. Right. If there had been a, like, Miss Black Universe pageant that... Came after the Miss Black America. I'd probably be Miss Black America, but I hadn't decided to win that one, so I didn't. <laughs> but but I came first runner up, if that counts. <laughs> that counts. That counts. Yeah. So, now, so, so this is exciting. So so then what happened? So one day, uh, a friend, Dwayne Kennedy, calls me and says. There's this guy that's doing a TV show, and he's looking for people who do characters. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew Dwayne because he was part of the larger group of friends that hung out with this comedy group that I was in right out of high school called the Mary Wong Comedy Group. Mm-hmm. And this group consisted of of Ali LeRoy, who now... Um, he was the EP, the executive producer of Chris Rock's show, Everybody Hates Chris, and now he's doing Ice Cube show, Are We There Yet? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lance Crowder, that people may know as Pooey Tang, who <laughs> writes for Wanda Sykes, and Tim Miller, who's one of the funniest people in the world, who helped me with this show, Don't Get Me Started, and we're developing a show together. He's still in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Norman and Chris Townsend, who retired after that group. <laughs> so at any rate, Wayne calls me. And I say, okay, okay, you know, there's this guy named Keenan Ivory Williams, and and honestly, I thought, okay, well, who 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 is this person? And he said, uh, the guy that did the movie, I'm gonna get you, sucker. And I thought, no, what kind of ignorant? They're looking for characters. You say, okay, okay, I'll go. And we all went, and I used sketches that I performed in high school, and I showed them to the guys, because I, I never did stand-up. They all did stand-up, but I never did it. And it was mm-hmm. an open call. I called the casting director, who turned out to be Robbie Reed. At mm-hmm. the time, it was like, blah, 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 blah. Now it's like, ooh, Robbie Reed. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she said, we're having an open call at the Regal Theater. Just come in and do 10 minutes. Now, at the time, I'm doing theater, and I'm thinking, Ten minutes, ten minutes of uh, classical and contemporary, and she said, "No, of your stand-up routine." I thought, "Okay, thank you, Miss Reed." <laughs> <laughs> and I called her, "Dwayne, what have you got me into?" I should know now. So, hence the the showing to my stand-up friends and the punching up of it of them from them, and we all go, and I'm and I'm looking. It's very easy to separate the comedians from the actors who are trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. And I'm biting my nail at everyone because it's open so you're watching everybody else. And there's maybe 200 people there. 
and I'm watching all of the actors just just crash and burn, and I'm thinking, just if if I'm going to look like that, just just kill me right before I go up, just right before I go to strike you down. And, uh, uh, but it turned out fine, and I made the call. That we all made the callbacks, and the callbacks were the auditions that everybody else was invited to, not the stand-ups. The stand-ups had to kind of pre-read, and then the people who went through their agents were invited to what was our callback. Now, meanwhile, I'm registered with maybe 20 agencies in Chicago. Not one of them called me for this, but it just so happened, I think because it was my destiny to be on the show, that that's how I came to be at the callbacks. And at that callback, as coincidence would have it, that's where I met Kelly Colfield because she had gone through her agent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I guess we're at the point where the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. Well, it's a lot of history. we got to get through some of it, too, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> so you, you get the call, uh, how, you know, your life obviously changes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I keep a diary every now and then. I haven't done it in a while, but I remember this was years later, writing in my diary, I'm on a plane from Los Angeles to New York. My life's about to change forever again. Mm -hmm. And I've had many, many good and bad life-altering experiences, Mm -hmm. and certainly this was one of them because I grew up sneaking to watch Saturday Night Live with Mm -hmm. a blanket over the TV lest my grandmother see the light bleeding down the hallway. (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Catch me. <laughs> I remember those days, yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. to be on that kind of show mm-hmm. was was part of it was the coolest thing. I mean, the bad thing is that it was it was cutthroat. It, you know, I was not given things to do because other people were featured, mm-hmm. but. Even that worked to my advantage because they would give me, you know, girl number four, woman number three, and because I'm a character actress, I would create a character. for It didn't matter how. You give me one line, you give me a guy standing in the back, and I'll create a character so real it will, you'll wonder who that person is. Mm, and that's absolutely. what happened. Week to week, Keenan would come up to me and say, who, that, that, Woman that you didn't, you know, so and so sketch. Who, who, who was it? Oh, well, that was so and so, so and so. She, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I want to see her again in this thing. I'll, or we'll give her her own thing. And the things, most of the things that you saw me do were a result of that. Me showing in somebody else's light what I could do in the background, and and mm-hmm. him recognizing that and bringing it to the foreground. Well, you know, what's, what's fascinating is I'm sure you did not know, uh, no, no one knew that In Living Color would be uh, such a such a success and so groundbreaking for uh, black actors and, and, and talent. Oh, of, of course. You, you're, you know, when you're working, you're in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And, and it was such such a shock. Again, clear across the country. I had been to California before. I performed there. I was in a touring company that did shows there before, but not. I'd never lived there. I'd never mm-hmm. dealt with television or film or music industry people before. I'd certainly never been on a show, let alone to be a series regular mm-hmm. on a show. So everything. And Fox took really good advantage of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got their money's worth and then some out of all of us. <laughs> but but I'm telling you, Keenan put together such a great company. It's not, I mean, it, it's clear you see the the performers that were on the show, and you can tell by the performers what the bar was, how high it was, mm-hmm. but it was that high in front of and behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I and I was spoiled rotten in that respect. I would go to another show and expect to see, you know, makeup on it, hair on it, uh, wardrobe on it, and. Sometimes I did. Sometimes I didn't. <laughs> Make sure you brought your own brush, right? 
and 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 also, I mean, it's like guerrilla filmmaking. You you're ready to go to war when you go to work. And mm-hmm. the the show that I did after In Living Color, I mean, I was so burnt out when I finished In Living Color. I was ready to come home and never do television again. Mm. And the, it, thank goodness that the next show I did, they really wanted me because I turned it down maybe five times. I wouldn't go in to see it and because I was telling my agent, no, 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 no television. Television bad. Don't like television. <laughs> you don't like television. No TV. Television people mean. <laughs> don't like that. What was this show that you turned down five times? On our own. Uh-huh. Even the opportunity to even audition for it, and it was such a wonderful experience. I mean, it could not have contrasted in Living Color more. Mm-hmm. In Living mm-hmm. Color, we were there usually till one in the morning, often till two in the morning. Um, it wasn't unlikely that we would be there after 3 o'clock in the morning taping. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because as the show got more and more popular, there would be a line. People would be waiting to get in. It would be a big thing. Do you have tickets to come see the taping of In Living Color? And as the night would progress, you know, we see each other in the hallway. How many, is, are people still out there? Anybody still out there? <laughs> 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 that, that last sketch, boy, that was a hard sketch to do. I know that's right. <laughs> No one would no one would be out there. But um the next show on our own had children and what I found out is that you can't work children like slaves. <laughs> children No, it's against the law yes. and they just don't won't tolerate it at all. I wanted children in every show I did from then on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and oh. the show, and and they didn't know their censors by their first name. I would come down. Where are your censors? <laughs> oh, there's no one to stop people from cursing. Oh, no one's cursing. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and and the producers were just angels. It, it was a really really wonderful experience. And again, a, a, a talented company of people. Mm-hmm. Certainly, uh, the whole family was on the show, but most people know Journey, Journey Smollett, who's grown up to be a beautiful young woman and a, and a very talented actor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, and and I, now, you know, the further away you get from things, the more fondly you remember them. So now yeah. I remember all the shows fondly, but that was for a long time the show that I missed the most. Mm-hmm. Well, here, here's the question. You know, uh, you, 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 it seems like your life is, is a series of culture shocks. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, you know, obviously you had no uh, clue that In Living Color was going to be as large uh, no. and, no. and, and huge as it was. So now, you know, you you have... Uh, a level of celebrity from your talent in Chicago and in and Florida and, and the various places that you perform, but not to the point where you're a household name where when you go outside, oh, my God, it's, it, it's, that, it's that girl on unlimited, oh, my God, it's her. Right. How did you handle fame? Because it's something that you really can't control in terms of how people perceive you. Well, again, the good thing about starting out on a show like In Living Color, and the best example is is that I was at um, Magic Mountain or someplace with Don Lewis and and uh, Kim Fields, mm-hmm. and you know we're chilling. This was early on in In Living Color. Mm-hmm. I was no one, and. We're chilling, and, you know, it's later in the day, and we're going to leave shortly anyway. And then we're we're eating out in the cafe place, and one of them says, okay, time to go. I'm like, oh, okay. And we're packing up their things, and they're in a little bit more of a hurry than I am, but I'm, you know, keeping up. And suddenly they're walking very, very fast, and I'm what's going on? I turn around, and, and no, first I hear... It's Jaleesa. And then somebody, there's a scream, and then somebody else says, and Tootie's weather. Oh, I wow. turn around, and there's like a school bus 
of young people running toward us. I turn back around. There's like 10 feet between me and Dawn and Kim. <laughs> Like, wow. Oh, oh, we're running. We're run- okay, we're running. I can run. Okay, <laughs> and we're running. <laughs> Next thing I know, someone is on Kim's back. What? I thought, oh, I was like, we shake, we shake them off. <laughs> now we're running very fast. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> And the thing, and again, you know, the show is new, you know, so they didn't know who the heck guy was. But the good thing about him living color is that we, I was somebody different every week. People don't look mm-hmm. at me and say, Jalisa. They don't look mm-hmm. at me and say, oh, there's Tootie. They, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they, they, they. I look familiar. Certainly, then now it's different. But, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. then they go, oh, you look familiar. But who, who are you looking for? You looking for Christy? You looking for the lady from Haymon? You looking for the lady, you know, the, the host of Going Girl? Who are you looking for? You right, know? right, right. So, so people knew me without that kind of specific recognition. And so I kind of stayed uh, much more low-key than other people that have enjoyed the same success I have. Okay, and okay. Because it started out like that, that kind of set the bar for people, you know, getting crazy. And and I learned a lot because I was mm-hmm. working with people who had a greater notoriety than I. And and I think I, there was this one conversation that I had with Keenan back and at that time, and he was saying, you know, mirror what people do and they'll calm down. Because sometimes people are cool, then you can be cool, but if, if they get a little animated, and especially if it's not a, like a school bus full of them, mm-hmm. you, I've had people go, hey, 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 and if I turn around and go, hey, Look at me like, why are you acting crazy? <laughs> and, and then they go, oh, I just did. Oh, that's how that looks. Okay, let me calm down. So, so I find that it's manageable, and I'm I'm not ashamed to say that I will. I do not encourage recognition uh, <laughs> unless it benefits me in some way. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if if I'm really tired and there's a whole group of people and somebody says, aren't you, I'm quick to say, I get that all the time. Can you just, and people will go away. Mm, or mm-hmm. or mm. can you look like, oh, and, so, and and if, I'm, if I perceive it being a situation that I don't want to be in, I'll go, yes, that girl from that show, right? Thank right. you. Right. <laughs> and then they're embarrassed. Right. I got people like, oh, I'm sorry. And you're probably, oh, you, you really look like her. I know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're not sure who I am, then I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, something but, that, is cons- that has been consistent, uh, at least from – uh, when 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 the world first saw you on on a living color and and piston, but I assume comes from uh, you know very deep roots is that you are and always have been very Afrocentric. Yeah, yeah. Where did that come from? You 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 are an advocate of natural hair. I am. I am. Hence my book. Hence your book. See how that was a good segue. Autograph autograph copies available at my website, (laughs) Takiya.com. That's T. Why do I have one yet? T K E Y A H dot com. Did I say autograph copies? Yes, I did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. (laughs) Talk to me about this Afrocentricity that you you have uh, and that you wear and that uh, looks so damn good on you. Thank you so much. You know, I grew up like most little black girls uh, at the stove, get my hair fried for special mm-hmm. occasions. Mm-hmm. And my one of my older brothers used to make fun of us, you know, get you frying it up, he, he used to say. And <laughs> I remember thinking that what I was wasn't good enough until my hair was 
fried. Mm-hmm. And even as a child, feeling like something was wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later that I that I decided, and it kind of a little bit by accident because I'd always gotten my hair pressed, and usually by Mrs. Lee, the lady that lived on my grandmother's block all, most of my life. And when I went away to school. Mrs. Lee gave me a perm and then was not there in Tallahassee, Florida to give me a touch-up. And when I learned that someone else besides grandmother, my sister Karen or Mrs. Lee would have to touch my head, I said, oh, no, 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 (laughs) this is, no. (laughs) And I started cutting it out, and that's the Mm. first time my hair was really natural. By the time I came home for Christmas, I had a short, like, curly throw. I would roll it up in rollers and just wear it, and... I really liked that. I really liked that freedom, and I wore it like that for, I guess, two years, and then I got a perm again when I pledged Delta Sigma Theta sorority. Okay. Uh, lifetime member, active at Century City in California. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, why not plug? Send a shout and out. <laughs> <laughs> I was the chaplain there at the Beta Alpha um, chapter at in Tallahassee, but uh, thinking that it would you know make it easier, my life easier, but my hair said no, and it was you know crazy hair no matter what. And when I came home, I was modeling and stuff, and I I I don't really remember. It wasn't like like becoming a vegetarian or even changing my name where I made this grand decision. But I think probably my first trip to Africa was what really did it. Mm. Because that, that, you know, you talk about a big life-changing event. Mm -hmm. If you've never been to Gore or one of the slave ports, you're, you're... it's life changing for, mm-hmm. for African Americans, and that's yeah. So I went with Nejwa, the director of the Nejwa Dance Corps, and who who was a frequent visitor to the homeland, and she she wire wrapped my hair, mm. and we got boobas, grand boobas made, and I felt. So so completely comfortable, not not only in the, with the hair and the outfit, but when we were having it made and and uh, can't remember the sister's name that was there that was measuring me and I'm telling her no no that's too long and she's slapping my wrist saying no it's supposed to be too here not too bad and I'm feeling like a little girl being told something by her mother about the way women live. Mm-hmm. You know about the correct way to walk into womanhood, mm-hmm. and so I came home with this feeling that I'd actually been home, and that something didn't make it in the middle passage with us. This this business of who we are, mm-hmm. and when I took the wire wrap out, and I still had African clothes, the picture didn't look right to me anymore. Mm. And then the picture didn't look right to me just in my own skin anymore, no matter what I was wearing. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just didn't make sense to me anymore to press my hair or perm my hair, so I just stopped. And Amazing. Ne- yeah, That's never looked back. So talk to me about this book. Uh, and natural hair. Why did you decide, out of all the books you could have written, or wrote, <laughs> of all the ones I will, and all the ones you will, the first well, one was about uh, natural hair. Well, because when I when I did in Living Color, there were zero, meaning no, books on natural hair to be found anywhere, mm-hmm. and there were no people in primetime television wearing their hair, styling their hair naturally. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of people with short afros. There were a couple of people who wore locks. But there was no one, not one person, styling natural hair. There weren't any people in the hair unions that knew how to 
see anything with my hair. And I had a lot of hair sticking. Oh, wow, you got all this hair. Let me just, oh, no, 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 get away from me with that. No, no, no. And then they would look, these, you know, tenured professional, you know, gifted hairstylists that had no clue what to do with me and my hair. Mm. And so I, I did it myself. Most of the time, if it's my hair that you see in living color, I did it. And that's and it went on from show to show to show, and I got people in the hair union because I would go to the you know, natural hair salons or the barbershops or wherever, you know, get fine, you know. Somebody, find keys in them that somebody can do my hair mm-hmm. and bring them to the set, and we, there would be special deals and special arrangements. That's thank goodness. That's all very very different now, and mm-hmm. there's lots and lots of books. But people would stop me on the street and say, you know, love your hair. I, I how do you do it? I wish I could do it. And mm-hmm. that, between those two questions, and that's what I got the most. How do you do it? And I wish I could do it because those are very, very, very different questions. And so the book addresses both of those. And I started writing the book a long, long time ago and just didn't have the time to put into it. And when I was on Cosby and a hair situation came up again, I thought, "Let, let let me think about that book. And I went out to see what was on the market at that time. And there were a lot of books. And I thought, well, not as many as there are now, but there there were some books. And I thought, oh, I don't need to write a book. But I'm still getting fan mail. I'm still getting stopped on the street. So maybe people want to know how I do my hair <laughs> and my journey with hair. And so I thought, well, let me go on and write the book that I wished had been there when I started out and the book that addresses why people are still coming up to me, grown women, saying, I wish I could wear my hair like that. Mm. And because it's it's not about fashion. Mm-hmm. It's not about whim. It's about culture. It's about racism. Right. Um, it's, a, it's a statement. It's not a fashion. Yeah. It, we, we are punished for wearing our hair the way it comes out of our head. Mm-hmm. And we are encouraged to conform in, a, in an permanent way mm-hmm. the way we are to fit someone else's standard of beauty, which is, for a lot of us, the opposite mm-hmm. of how we were born. Now, mm-hmm. that is not one of the most detrimental things you can do to the mindset of a little black girl. Right. And her natural mate that I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so that 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 was the impetus for the book, to say there's beauty in this and and it's okay. And it's okay if you wanna swing your blonde, you know, butt length, you know <laughs> all around the world and and still and it's been a while and I and I and I thought who am I going to sell this book to I'm, I'll make four copies I'll get one grandma will get one <laughs> <laughs> my brother he'll, he'll, he'll want one two left yeah right <laughs> But but it's been hugely popular, and I'm I'm honored. I'm I'm so honored when people tell me that that I inspired them to wear their hair naturally, and because of me, they raised their children with natural hair. I'm you know I'm I'm high up on the natural hair food chain, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. an honor I don't take lightly, and that more than anything because the book was a lot of work and I distributed it independently through mm-hmm. independent bookstores so mm-hmm. that they could stay alive mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that was more than a notion and when I started running low on copies which I am now I thought okay when it's done it's done and I'm going to move on because there's another book I'm working on now but 
I'm still getting letters from people and they're still stopping me. And so I'm thinking, well, let me let me run with this a little bit more. Let mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. and let me share what I've learned since I wrote the the book the first time. From now, where can people, people get the autograph copy again? From best website on earth, Takia dot com. That's T K E Y A H dot com. And and forget all the outdated stuff that's on there. Just ignore all of that. It's a book. Yeah, the book right now the book is on the first page. If you go to that first page you can click and go right to the book. Fantastic. And one of the things that I, I, I want to talk to you also about before we before we leave and that is um Oh yeah, because I've just got a couple more minutes. Yeah, and that is uh, you really believe in uh, black economics and supporting uh, black businesses as well as black banks. Yes, 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 yes. Talk to me a little bit about that and, you know, how do you feel right now as uh, African Americans in particular are, are, you know, part of that 99% occupying Wall Street, occupying, you know, uh, Chicago and various different places around the, the country. Uh, what can what what are we doing? What can we be doing economically to to uh, move beyond all of that? Let me first say I'm I'm really proud and inspired by the Occupy movement. I claimed that I was going to join them after my show because I didn't want to miss my show for being in jail. But then I took <laughs> it out after the show and started eating. And uh, I didn't ever go downtown. But it, it, here here's here's the thing with us and and banks. Many, many years ago, a brother in Los Angeles, uh, Muhammad Nasruddin, God rest his soul, started this Change Bank Day. He he was the founder of Recycling Black Dollars in Los Angeles. And he, you know, for many years until his death, had this annual event, Change Bank, Bank Day. And sadly, the first year that I participated, he gave me these statistics that Asian Americans that that compared Asian Americans to African Americans, mm-hmm. and the t- statistics were that that 97 percent of Asian Americans bank at Asian-owned banks. Interesting. Three percent of African Americans bank at African American-owned banks or African banks, and not much has changed. Interesting. And more than just being sad about that, it speaks to so many other issues about the psychology of being black in this country and the illusion that we should not do business with ourselves, that we mm-hmm. should not do business with ourselves, and not acknowledging what our businesses cannot afford to do and to work with them. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying lose money by by doing business with black people alone. I'm mm-hmm. saying if you have $10,000 in a bank, whatever, in a white bank, put, take 1000 out and put in a black bank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if we, if we all, did, if half of us did that, tithe, if you tithe with banking, by putting 10%, now I'm not talking about the people that like me who all their money is in black men. Don't take out 90% now. Mm-hmm. But the people mm-hmm. who feel like they can't afford to do business with black, black banks because they can't, they don't offer the same services, they don't offer credit card with miles, they can, you know, all that stuff. But take out 10%. If, if half of us did that, and those same banks that can't afford to do this and such and whatever you need your bank to do would be able to do that. Amazing. Now, now tying that into the Occupy movement, right now the Occupy movement is saying, let's get rid of these big banks. So if, if you're thinking about it, if you support the Occupy movement, this, this is the time. Mm-hmm to divorce yourself from those banks who will not give you a loan, who mm-hmm. will not improve your neighborhood or your mother's neighborhood if you need mm-hmm. out. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And and start divesting from them because they're, they're not too big to fail. 
we, we're too good to fail. Mm-hmm. And if, if we take ownership of that, then we'll be able to legitimately compete with them. That is fantastic. Shakia, I absolutely adore you. Uh, Thank you. I support you in everything that you uh, do. I am so honored that you uh, share time with me and, 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 and uh, my listeners today. I, I really need for you to come back because there's so much depth that you have and so much I want to get into deeper in your philosophy uh, in, you know, the, the fun that you, you have for A&M and all of the things that you're, you're doing to support uh, and empower and inspire our community. So with that being said, I, I love you. I thank you so much for being on the show today. And can I get a commitment from you to come on back and let's have another conversation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. I, I would love to. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, and and happy holidays to you and all your listeners.